being patient with your children. As we butt heads with those out there, Lord, protect us um, so that uh, we can get our point across, but yet do it gently enough that the repercussions um, don't have people losing faith. Lord, we pray for each and every patriot out there. We pray for those that aren't patriots, that they will wake up and understand what's happened. Lord, we pray for the nations of the world as they look at us and see what we're trying to accomplish here with the things that have happened today. Lord, you've given many of us a more hope as to what is going to come into pass like you want it to. Lord, we look to you for our strength, for our hope, and for our peace. We pray you will continue to give it to each and every one of us and that you will touch this nation so powerfully that the entire world will come back and know that you are the true God and that freedom will always bring. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, Reddix. Amen. Hello. Good to see you as always. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there. Yeah. You having a good week? Yep, I am. I um, got some, I had to go to the dentist today, but that's done. <laughs> I, that seems I, to be, yeah, it never ends. <laughs> seems to be contagious. Everyone I know is having to go to the dentist right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also uh, got to talk to my aunt today and it was uh, better than I thought it was. She remembered me the uh, almost throughout the whole call. It was just to the end there that she started to, um, I guess, get forgetful. But you know, it's sad because she—you can tell she thinks she's like she's like making her preparations. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. sad. Yes, yes, it is. It really is. Um that hard transition time, especially, you know, as family, we worry, right? We, yeah. we, uh, we worry about what's about to happen and how they're going to do with their transition. Yeah. Yeah. But she, you know, she's got strong faith in Jesus. So that's mm. good. Um, that's and she's happy, you know, she, she was crying at, towards the end there, but she was happy. She also, she, she was able to bring up memories of me from when I was little, when I was a baby so that was good. Um, so she's like able to remember older memories. It's just like more recent stuff. I think that she's forgetting. Oh yeah. Like short-term memory loss. Yes. And then she kind of confuses names and stuff. I know what she means though. And like yeah. what she's trying to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I relate to that. I, I know how that can go too. If you're, you know, as the older they get, and if the injuries can make these things come on, um, as people get older, it can affect the mind and yeah, uh, yeah. Well, just, I'm glad you know, it went, I'm glad it went good, you know, to have those special moments, really yeah. important, really healing. It's hard for me. Cause it's like, you know, seeing her this way, she's, she used to be much, um, you know, very different. So it's kind of hard to see her like that. Of course, we know you'll see her even more healthy in the future. Yep. That's right. You'll get to probably see her when she was 20. Won't that be a kick? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Think of it that way, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I have a family member in the same position. Um, so I'll be praying for you. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. We'll all be praying for you. Keep her in your prayers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Radix. I suppose we ought to get out of your way, and um, we'll be seeing you again later, all right? All right. Thanks, all right. guys. God bless Ciao. you, Richley. For now. Bye. Thanks for everything, Ryan. Thanks, guys. All Knock right. Dead. Thank you. <laughs> I think uh, Pinata may be joining us. He wasn't sure if he was going to be able to, uh, but he might. He may come in at some point. Yeah, it's just difficult. I mean, she is um, she's 71 now, and she had a, a very long, full life, and she was never able to have kids. So, you know, we were kind of like her babies for her. So in that way, she kind of did get to uh, experience having kids sort of you know she got to take care of us when we were little so i think that that's obviously something that was really important to her and that was good to hear <laughs> all right let me bring up um tonight's show prep of course i am still in uh oh this is interesting i am still in um what's it called uh, Twitter jail. <laughs> they have me in Twitter jail and it's probably going to be indefinitely. Uh, obviously the most, I think, important news uh, as we're coming on right before we go into the show prep is what's going on uh, or what happened earlier today with the president pardoning uh, General Flynn. And I know people have um, uh, mixed feelings on that because he... He didn't do anything wrong. And I understand it's like, okay, well, pardoning him suggests that he needed a pardon or had done something wrong. But like I was saying yesterday, the other, um, the other side of that is if by chance they are able to get away with their crimes here and pull this off and um, Biden comes in in January, that's not good. Uh, they will continue to persecute him. And clearly, Judge Sullivan was just dragging this out. He was a political prisoner for how many years now? I mean, give the man a break, right? All right. So I want to bring this up. Uh, Flynn family statement to the United States of America, November 25th, 2020. On this day, we give thanks to President Trump and our great Patriot family. Um, the Flynn family is an American family, and like all American families, we love our country. We believe in the Constitution of the United States and that justice in this remarkable republic must prevail for all citizens, equally and always. We believe that our right to freedom and liberty are God given and that we will fight for these rights until the bitter end if they are unjustly denied by any government, institution, or individual. For four long years, our family and millions of American patriots stood arm in arm together with our brother, General Michael T. Flynn, fighting the vicious, deep-rooted corruption of government institutions and vengeful individuals intent on destroying General Flynn and our country 
in shameful defiance of justice and the rule of law. Those individuals have disgraced the United States of America. The perpetuation of this political persecution of General Flynn was further fermented by Judge Emmett Sullivan's refusal to dismiss the fraudulent prosecution. Judge Sullivan's inactions, a reprehensible assault against the Constitution, will live in infamy the world over and is his legacy. Today, the Flynn family is grateful to President Donald J. Trump for answering our prayers and the prayers of a nation by removing the heavy burden of injustice off the shoulders of our brother Michael with a full pardon of innocence. We thank President Trump for recognizing our brother's sacrifice in this battle for truth, our Constitution, our Republic, and all that America stands for around the world, a true beacon of liberty. We are forever appreciative to President Trump for giving back to Michael his freedom and undoing a hideous wrong. Michael's determination and resilience in the face of this battle exemplifies his decades of dedication to this nation as a soldier and a leader of men and women in service, protecting the very rights he was denied. Let our nation never allow this violation of American civil rights under the law happen again. Our nation is at a crucible moment in history. Let it be heard across this great country and around the world that tyranny will not topple us. Masks will not silence us. Threats will not stop us. Evil will not triumph. We are Americans. We stand on the shoulders of the greatest forces and heroes of bravery and courage the world has ever known. That is our legacy and our obligation to defend now and for generations to come. The Flynn family joins all Americans and patriots in this fight for our rights, our values, our way of life, and our republic. May God bless President Trump his family, and all families during this important American tradition, Thanksgiving Day, it is truly a time to give thanks. The Flynn family wishes everyone a very happy Thanksgiving and God bless America. That was fantastic. And um, Roxy, I think you all... put this in here. <laughs> yeah, it got me all teary-eyed. This is interesting. Done in 30 plus 28 days. This is a, like a, is this a three-year delta too? Or maybe not. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, what? 30 and 28. Wow. Interesting. So um, this post, uh, 1281, done in 30, quote unquote, 30 in brackets. There is a link here, House report facts of claim that FBI agents did not think Flynn lied despite guilty plea. Why would Flynn plead guilty to something untrue? Define testimony, define on record. Who knows where the bodies are buried? Flynn is safe. Expand your thinking. What was completed and released today regarding Flynn, done in 30, quote unquote, expand. So what I find interesting about this is that um, a lot of information came out uh, during the course of the Flynn case. We learned a lot about 
the FBI, the corruption at the FBI. We still never got the final 302, I believe. Um, we haven't seen Bruce Orr's 302. So there's still stuff that they are hiding even today. But uh, yeah, a lot, like we learned a lot about this. There were text messages, handwritten notes, emails that we never would have gotten without this entire case going through. And I think that may have been part of this, right? Is getting all this information into the public, exposing it all. I mean, we've learned about uh, all kinds of sick things. Um, and then this post, uh, 1933, Suicide Weekend, hands up, 30, 28, 30 months, 28 days, impossible, coincidence, we are in control, big week ahead. So that is interesting, done in 30. Very exciting. I, I was thinking about it today uh, when we got the partner. I was like, I should go back and do a timeline on how long that was. And I saw that tweet and I was like, boom. Yeah, it's another exactly. it's another proof. I mean, that's a major proof, you guys. Awesome. Easy. And 28 hey, days. Am I coming through? Anybody? Yay, yeah. it's Pinata. There you are. All right. I'm having some audio issues. I don't know what's going on. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. So anyway, so I, I was... Um, so as far as why today, the reason why I think those numbers are working out is because we, uh, T and I had kind of theorized for a while that they were perfectly fine with letting them drag the case out to a certain point. There becomes yes. a certain point at which they need to, they need him for something. And I guess I would ask you, um, just from your experience as a paralegal, is there a particular reason why there would be a conflict of interest, uh, for uh, Sydney to do her cases while she was representing him and or oh. was there um, something with his case that you know he had to be either you know, exonerated or or pardoned in this case for him to be able to reveal other information that would that does that unlock some things because um, whatever the case may be the point is is that I think we we actually hit the final end date where they were no longer they're just going to let it go out because at this point I mean there's nothing more more else to be gained I mean they've they've dropped they clearly have dropped the case and Sullivan's just sitting on it so that's just been going on in perpetuity so so this basically becomes this failsafe point why do I say that um, if you don't mind I can show you a couple things that I was going back through so about it was a year ago um, in July 30th we had um a series of posts and let me share so this is there's a few posts that are here and these are all going to be relevant we, we've talked about some of these here and these are pretty famous posts um but he retweeted uh this columbia bugle guy right mm -hmm. in this picture nice yesterday that was yesterday and then today we get um a, a tweet with a rigged election. Now this tweet in particular is exactly um, 130, uh, 1,333 uh, hours, 44 minutes, 49 seconds from, from um, this post here, this 4,800 with Red October. So when we were think about our discussion yesterday, we were talking about Red October, the you know number two, essentially the the next uh, the the second the phase two of their or the second attempt of their uh, October Revolution. 
Mm-hmm. So when uh, on the third on the, the the day before um uh july 30th in 2019 this is right before they kind of went dark for that really long period we had this picture here and then, then we had these stringers here which tie in yeah. to these down here now you'll notice that the, the top of this is a conditional post it, it's a this, this hyphen essentially is a condition and then the the after part is the condition that has to be met mm-hmm. so what this is what this is, te- is telling me that this picture here was a oh, signifier wow. was, a, was a signifier for what for unlocking this particular thing so this somehow ties with and it's also in- interesting that that whole like rockefeller tree owl came in yes! to play yesterday that was too creepy. right and it so wasn't even weird. an owl they called and it then an also owl. and also what did you talk about yesterday you talked about jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right um i don't remember and I thought yeah you did I yep. did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I had that on my freaking thing. That was what we yep. started the show with. Yep. Wow. Right. But the nope. verse from 2911 was not the verse that Lynn no. tweeted today. Okay, no. just making sure. But, okay, so hot, eight, and nine, red, red, and then freedom again, and then this picture is signified. Now, this, uh, I believe this is actually... Uh, confirm uh you know basically like a net weight one or ba- or it could even be the opposite uh, where it's it's 10 um let me show you uh so this was set up the, the morning before okay so this is in the morning of july 30th now let me show you what the, what the tweet activity was that then that morning so that was setting up a question and we call this handshake comps that was setting up the question now, here is what the answer was in, in terms of uh, basically an acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. So if you look at this, there's all these numbers that were in the tweet. Is this big enough? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. good. All right. Uh, so you see all these different numbers, and, I, and it, it just perked up to me. So within the first 10 tweets, you had – so I pulled out all the ones that had numbers in words or numbers in, in, in the numerics pulled them out and this is equal to 89 here equal to 17 here so if you if you go back to um, that post here you can see it was a it was a they were it was a um, talking about this particular it was a response to this so when I saw um, Yesterday, they had uh, posted that picture, and then today I saw that uh, with the rigged election and the fact that it had a, a delta that was also tying with the flag markers, and 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 the, and the flag markers are tied to the stringers. Um, it seemed to make sense that essentially at some that they hit that point where something for whatever reason they could not wait for the green light as far as like him dropping the case or whatever they need they needed him to be free to do something when what that unlocks i have no idea but that's that's what i think is going on wow interesting that is neat did you also see the um that one three-year delta Uh, Hang on, let me bring it up. 
I don't know if this plays into what happened today, but check it out. The red red, this is a three year delta. Um, um, from, yeah. Um, yeah, with the freedom stringers and then the Flynn thing. I mean, I don't know. In Saudi Arabia, too, right? It's talking about Saudi Arabia. And then there was that thing that happened today with Saudi Arabia that we're going to get into. So, very interesting. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the, the that basically is a series of, um, you have to tie it in with the posts that. You there? We lost you, Pinata. Hmm. He said he was having audio issues. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know. That's interesting that that is a three-year delta. I had always, like, I've stared at those um, stringers for so long and tried to make some kind of sense of it. But I almost think that just whenever I, and I don't have it here in front of me, but I always had the impression that those were like um, negotiations where the people were trying to make deals and uh, some of them have a yes and some of them have a no. And uh, you also see one there that was um, related to Obama, and then we got a no deal. So I don't know. I, I do agree that the timing was very interesting, and uh, it definitely does free Sydney up to work on the election fraud stuff. So I don't know. I guess we just have to wait and see what will happen, right? Yep. <laughs> very exciting. It's been a great day. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to bring up on this one. Uh, where are you? Come on. And I still can't find the post that shows the three asterisks and then, uh, that was related to General Flynn and then, you know, are you ready to serve your country again or something like that? I still can't find that post, but it's all a big deal. <laughs> it's a great day. Yeah. Um, hmm. I do not know. Okay, I think this is, um, I don't think there's anything else that I want to, yeah, there's nothing else I think that relates as far as the Delta goes, except that three-year Delta with the Freedom Stringers. Um, let's see. Yes, <laughs> yes, PSB is banned on Twitch again, I know. Um, that's probably going to be, that's a permanent ban as far as I understand. They, uh, basically said that was permanent. So what are you going to do? Um, all right. Now I want to go into the show prep. Oh, come on. Here we go. All right. So tonight, uh, tonight we're going to talk about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> We're going to talk about the uh, how Russia and um, Israel tie into 9-11. We started that last night. We touched on that a little bit, but we didn't really uh, get to finish that piece, and we didn't get to explain how that, the, the part, the reason for that is the pivot to Asia strategy. Kissinger, in the aftermath of 9-11, in this chaos when everybody's distracted, he gets China put into the World Trade Organization. Here's Kissinger with Mao, his buddy, shaking hands, 
Um, and here we've got Xi Jinping. So yeah, this is all part of transitioning to the, um, the pivot to Asia strategy. And I want everybody to understand how, these, how this all ties in to what we're seeing happening now and playing out geopolitically. That I think is important. So we will talk about that. We're gonna look at a couple other things as well. It's pretty much a full show tonight. <laughs> all right, I'm alive. You're alive, okay. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know what it is. I just reset my router, we'll see if that works. Okay. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. You guys know what this represents? Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last death hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. For well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. America is governed by Americans. Infiltration instead of invasion. On subversion instead of elections. On intimidation instead of free choice. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. For them, it's a war. And for them, nothing at all is out of bounds. Man will be what he was born to be. Free and independent. Um, holy cow, check out what I'm dropping into live chat, everybody. Apparently, the Awans, Congress just paid them $850,000. What the Son of a heck? bitch. Have they been blackmailing the House this entire time, the House Democrats? What are they doing paying them? This is insane. The Awans, for crying out loud, you are shitting me. Oh my God. Well, son of a gun, that is stunning. How does of, that happen? For those of you who don't recall, the Awan brothers, you'll recall, uh, Awan was working under Debbie Wasserman Schultz. He yep. was an IT specialist. Uh, he had infiltrated, uh, well, basically, they didn't have to have any security clearance. They were from Pakistan, and yeah. he had his whole family working on, and I think it was something like 47 senators uh, he was the IT administrator for. He basically had free reign and access to everything in Congress, everything. Yeah. All of the those politicians, all of their emails, their hard drives, everything. You know, they're probably Pakistani ISI, by the way. Good Lord. I cannot. What? I'm, I'm stunned. I cannot even believe this has happened. 
I am so angry right now that these people are not being thrown in jail with the key, lock them up and throw away the key forever. And the the one, uh, Awan, the head guy, I can't remember his first name right now, he was taken to court, right? They charged him, but they only charged him with bank fraud. That's all. Imran Awan. Imran, yes, thank you. And don't forget, they also had the um, the car dealership business where they were smuggling in uranium in the trunks of these cars, and they were, mm-hmm. you know, they had these shipping containers they were getting diplomatic uh, security for and diplomatic passes as a diplomatic pouch. They had they these trunks of these cars, the Geiger counters was going off for uh, radiation. They ha- they were smuggling nuclear materials out of our country who do you think they were giving it to and it was a huge money laundering thing too that with all kinds of cash probably millions if not billions of dollars of selling of uranium and taking that cash in while pretending to sell cars yeah um captain roy d is dropping his post on the awans uh, out there hello goodbye says that is fake news new york times come on you can do better did you even look at it and read it? Get out of here. You people that just like dismiss things because of the source without looking at the actual information, you're no better than the left when you act that way. Try so they just paid the this article. today? Yep, they just paid them today. You know what, you know what this is, right? This says, hey, thanks for being quiet. We think we're in control. Here's your payoff. Yeah, it's like hush money. Yep. All right. So tonight, um, we're for our psalm. I, the artwork I have here um, is Saint Catherine because her feast day. Uh, some celebrate it yesterday. Some celebrate it today on the twenty fifth. Uh, if you know the story of Saint Catherine of Alexandria, she's also known as Saint Catherine of the Wheel. The Book of Psalms. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled? Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. 
knoweth the power of thine anger. Even according to thy fears, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. All right, so um, I have included in here, in case people don't know who she was, uh, a link to a story about uh, St. Catherine. So you can read her story. It's really an incredible story. Um, Rhea and I listened to it today, <laughs> of course. Um, she was a really, uh, she was a, a woman of nobility and um, became a Christian when she was around uh, 18 years old. And she ended up uh, upsetting uh, Maximus, there, the emperor Maximian. And, um, you know, he was doing like this, these pagan sacrifices of burning animals and stuff. And he was also burning Christians. And so she came and, and she said, I'm a Christian and said, what you're doing is wrong. He um, ended up uh, challenging her. I guess he thought it was kind of funny that, oh, here is this woman you know, daring to come up and talk trash to me. Maybe he was more amused at first by this, that she would dare um, to challenge him. So he uh, basically says, well, I challenge you then to do a debate with all of my uh, court philosophers and all of the learned men, learned men of the area. She beat every single one of them. It was like 150 of them. Um, and not only that, she did it so well that she got all of these guys, these pagan philosophers of the day to, um, to convert to Christianity. And they were burned uh, at, you know, thrown into a fire because um, the emperor was so angry. But before they were burned, she baptized all of them in the name of Jesus and their bodies remained intact after being, you know, after going into the fire. They did not um, really burn up or decay or anything. They remained intact. So uh, that was interesting. And then it got to the point where he had her stripped down naked and, and whipped and stuff, trying to get her to recant. Then he uh, brought her, you know, into to a room that had all of these riches, and he, he asked her to marry him. Um, and he basically tried to tempt her with like worldly possessions and she still said no. And, uh, he was so angry. He ordered some of uh, his troops to, um, you know, beat her again. And then he had to go off on some trip. And while he's away, his wife comes to visit her. She wanted to know who is this woman that, you know, I've heard so much about. She was so impressed with Catherine and her passion that she converted to Christianity. 
and um, about 200 of the emperor's men. And so he was so angry by this when he came back and he heard this, he had his wife and the 200 men killed. They were martyred for Jesus. And uh, he became so angry about this. Then he tried to have her put on this wheel with these spikes on it. That's the wheel she's pictured with. And uh, when she touched it, um, the, uh, a miracle happened and it just broke. And then he said, well, fine. I'm just finally, I'm just going to execute her and be done with this. I'm just going to cut her head off. And he asked, you know, one of his, his men to do this and none of them would agree to execute her. They were so moved by her that no one wanted to hurt her because they had seen these miracles. And so finally he just took the night, the uh, sword out and he chopped her head off himself and milk came out, not blood. And um, so that's sort of like the short version of her, of the story there. Uh, anyways. Yikes. Yeah, it's an incredible story. Um, let me bring up this article real quick since hello, goodbye is ignorant and thinks just because something comes from the New York Times, it must automatically be false. That's not actually how any of this works. Uh, they do sometimes have to report the truth. A lot of their lies is lies by omission where they won't cover things, right? Usually what they'll do is they, they'll give a headline, but then they'll spin it and they'll propagandize it to turn it with projection and leftist viewpoints. Yep, that's right. So give me a minute to bring this up. This was a congressional settlement. That isn't fake news. That happened. Um What's irritating is this for wrongful termination. Like yep. I can be fired from any job at any time for anything here in Arizona. Does it not work that way in DC? Yeah, right. Ugh, it's ridiculous. There's, how can you call that wrongful termination when these people were involved in a blackmail spying and bribery scheme? That's stunning to me. And you'll also notice that uh, even the New York Times, so you can call it fake news, but they did put their spin on it. They said an inquiry stoked by Trump. <laughs> yeah, and his anti-Muslim bigotry. That's like what they're saying, which is ridiculous. Um, but Twitter has suspended Colonel Doug Mastrano after leading the PA Senate hearing today about election fraud. That's not surprising at all. Um, that's just ridiculous, though, on the part of Twitter. That's embarrassing for them, uh, in my opinion. That just makes them look stupid. By the way, the Awans, they were guilty as sin. Even when... his own family tried mm -hmm. to, like, implicate him, him because he... Right. It's not like, you know, the it's not like the right are making these stories up. His own family said he did this stuff. Yeah, right. his wife. And there was, along with the car dealership, there was actually some improprieties with, like, like their like their mortgage or their loan for their house or something like that, too. Yep. And didn't recall. they flee the country, too? Yeah. They, yeah, <laughs> that's right. If that's not an admission of guilt, I don't know what is. Wow. This is just... I mean, yeah, unbelievable. So that's stunning. Um, let's see. Uh, come on. 
Are you done yet? No, you're not done yet. Give me a minute for this article to come up. It's still doing its loading thing. It's, uh, I feel a little bit like it's getting a little stormy outside, like the wind is picking up or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Good Lord. Well, the all wands are obviously guilty of sin. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just kind of shocking that, that this has been allowed to happen. In this country, there are so many people recently that have been, you know, a former um, CIA, DIA, DEA, FBI that have been caught spying for other countries. How I, the hell is this possible? I really like uh, Pinata's theory on that, though, is that it sounds like they got some payoff money there to shut up. <laughs> right don't talk don't don't tell and uh you know they got their money so now you just need to be good little a-holes and keep your mouth shut yeah unreal i mean it's just stunning to me <sighs> well think about how the rest of their stuff is proceeding they're proceeding as if they're done this is over we won this is good and the, the, you know the way that they're laying out their plans oh well yeah we're gonna lock down we're gonna do this here's your great reset they're, i mean they're continuing literally as business as usual congress pays eight hundred and fifty thousand to muslim aides targeted an inquiry stoked by trump the House resolved wrongful termination claims by five Pakistani-American tech workers whose case was twisted into a right-wing conspiracy theory pushed by Trump. So that's their spin that they put on this, but you can independently verify this. Hello, goodbye, shill in live chat. Who, up. who voted on this? Was this a committee or was this a full congressional vote? This was the House of Representatives. Um, I think it was mostly the House Democrats that did this. Well, I, I know, but I mean, I, that voting record is going to be pretty important. We need yeah, to know exactly to know who. Exactly who did this, because I guarantee they're all the people that were being blackmailed by the all ones. Well, not necessarily. If they're all Democrats and they're voting with Democrats, I'm talking about the other side. Yeah, that's true. The payments represent one of the largest known awards by the House to resolve discrimination or harassment claims. There was no discrimination here. These people were spies. But aides involved in the settlement, which has not been previously reported, said it was also an attempt to bring a close to a convoluted saga that led to one of the most durable and misleading storylines of the Trump uh. era. Uh-huh. They claimed that they lost their jobs and endured harassment because of their Muslim faith and South Asian origins, BS, which started relatively ordinary house inquiry into procurement irregularities. Bullshit. He's been indicted for fraud and other things. This is not procurement irregularities. His own wife talked about this. Good Lord. <sighs> Okay, so they, he got indicted for bank fraud, but they left everything else where it was, like in this weird yep. limbo state. Yeah. Like 
and like me and Aaron would be like, why did they do that? What is going on? Like, it's still, uh, you know, a dark cloud hanging over their head. It's, it's not resolved at any moment that trigger could be pulled and they could be in serious trouble. Yeah, that's right. So no, this isn't fake news. They put their spin on it, but they did make this settlement payment. You can independently verify just because it comes from the New York Times doesn't automatically make it false. Just like because something comes from, you know, maybe the uh, a Gateway Pundit or a right-leaning source or Breitbart doesn't automatically make it true. So the way that this fool in live chat is thinking is flawed logic. That's a, called uh, flawed logic. That's not how any of this works. Anyways, just to point out that person's flawed reasoning, um, let's move on. Uh, I don't want to move further with the um, St. Catherine story. We kind of discussed this already, so that's good. Um, let's see. Uh, here's another one verifying this. Congress paid 850000 to Muslim aides targeted by Trump. Blah, blah, blah. So there you go. It's been being reported by multiple sources, not just the New York Times, clown. You happy? Anyways, moving on. Um... I want to go back to the show prep. Okay, so here, that was St. Catherine's story. This is interesting because this, of course, takes the mask off the notion that Russia ever stopped, you know, that, that the Soviet Union ever fell or that they're somehow not communists anymore. Russian state Duma officials reveal their true colors. There they are wearing a communist hammer and sickle mask. Moscow, Russia, Nikolai Arafiev, first deputy chairman of the Russian State Duma Committee on Economic Policy, Industry, Innovation, and Entrepreneurship, attends a plenary meeting of the Russian State Duma, the lower house of the Russian parliament, just yesterday, November 24th, 2020. They're putting it right in your face. Like we said yesterday, perestroika deception. They, they never fell. It was all an elaborate scheme to fool the West. And it was a reorganization from the top down. But I also included this picture because this is disturbing and must be explained. Ehud Barak, Epstein associate, okay? child trafficker. Here's his associate, Ehud Barak, who was photographed coming out of Epstein's New York apartment with underage girls, who's also part of the Carbine 911 um, call triaging app they're trying to push through, which would, of course, give control to the nation's 911 emergency system to a bunch of people who are former IDF. So there, it's Mossad in Unit 8200. What is Ivanka and Jared doing laughing with him? I'm sorry, but that to me is extremely suspicious. 
why do I constantly see these people palling around with scumbags? That must be explained. And we don't give people passes just because, you know, they're part of a family. I don't do this dynasty shit. I don't do it with the Clintons. Why would I do it with Republicans? Absolutely not. They were New York liberals, Ivanka and Jared. And I'd like to know why in 2017 they were partying with George Soros. I'd like to know why I continuously see them palling around with, um, you know, not so good people. Now, is the who too soft on Russia? Critics fear Russia is using the WHO's structural weaknesses to validate its COVID approach. This ties into what we talked about yesterday. They, I've never seen the World Health Organization uh, talk badly about Russia or China. They're all part of the push for this global uh, communist system. No, I haven't... Uh... I never hear the Who talk about them at all. Never. They never t say anything bad about them. But, I mean, when you have the terrorist guy head of the Who, <laughs> I can't remember what his name is, but... Yes, a war I mean, criminal. I can't, you know, I can kind of see. And, I mean, the Who is corrupt. I, I, there's, I, there's no one in the Who that I would, you know, trust with, like, a dime of my money or, you know even my worst enemy's health. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm not surprised by this at all. Yep. Okay. All right, let's see. Nonia says Tedros, I think is that his name? Tedros, uh, something with an A. I, I can never pronounce the last name. Um, I always mess that up. Ed homonym or something, Tedros. Yeah, I, I cannot do the last name. I always mess that up. But yeah, he's basically a war criminal. Um, like, for real. I would guess that the WHO is not getting a lot of money from China or Russia either. So, you know, no yeah. sense of them meddling in their affairs. Um, all right. So uh, I think that this is a... You know, this comes from the Moscow Times. They're, even they are asking this. <laughs> like, oh, my word. Um, in May, uh, and we're not going to read this whole thing, but I just want to do some parts of this. Come on, you little stinker. I'm trying to, like, zoom in on this, but that's not working. This whole thing is uh, not doing what I want it to do. Why are you not zooming in when I try to? when I try to zoom in. Oh, well, I hope you guys can see this. In May, as Russia was tentatively emerging from a nationwide lockdown and clocking up near record numbers of new infections, Russian officials began mounting an aggressive public campaign to present Moscow's handling of the coronavirus as faultless. Well, this goes back to the old Soviet propaganda. That's what they always did. Everything was a PR campaign to present themselves as never doing anything wrong uh, and always behind anything good that happened in the world, etc. So, um, 
you know, uh, I think that this is important that we recognize that's how they always were. Central to that was boasting about the country's low number of fatalities compared with Europe, the U.S., and elsewhere. That's, again, because they hide the numbers and they're corrupt. Um, mortality rates are 7.5 times lower in Russia than the world as a whole. Deputy Prime Minister Tatiana Golikova told the state TV channel, yes, yeah, state TV, right, basing her assessment on the daily tally of infections and fatalities published by the country's new pandemic task force. Other statistics were already pointing to a different picture. Figures quietly published by the country's national statistics agency, Rostat, as well as early research into excess mortality, were showing a, dr a potentially dramatic undercount of COVID-related fatalities in Russia a discrepancy which has only grown wider and been supported by more evidence as the pandemic continued. But just as officials were criticizing the Western media outlets that had reported concerns, and EU embassies were, according to one EU diplomat, privately expressing little confidence in the official numbers, Moscow won an unexpected and authoritative endorsement we, the World Health Organization, have no complaints about the statistics being provided by Russia. Dr. Meltina Vujonovic, head of the WHO's office in Russia, said. So, wow, guys, that's lovely. Um, in a conversation with the Moscow Times, Russian and international health experts have raised fresh concerns over the WHO's public stance saying the defense of questionable statistics and overtly pro-government comments demonstrates Russia's influence over the body and highlights its underlying organizational weaknesses. Now, I, I encourage everybody to um, please, please try to be open-minded. You need to stop thinking you know everything about people like Putin, you do not. You don't. So you need to consider that everything you think you know is wrong. You need to be open-minded enough to admit perhaps that you have been fooled by disinformation and propaganda. And you cannot learn new things if you're not open to potentially being incorrect. You need to be willing to change your opinion based on new information that comes out or more information that you get exposed to. Because too many times I see you guys just taking these bizarre um, stances where you refuse to hear anything that goes outside of like your worldview. This where you you guys you know th this echo chamber is created and. This is why I follow many different sources. This is why I expose myself to new information and I try to do that for you as well. Um, you know, you need to consider, like question everything. That's right. how and that, began. And that goes for other things too. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff that is injected into what people would call conspiracy theories, which is absolute yeah. BS, which people latch onto. And then basically they will eliminate any information coming from someone who doesn't share a fringe aspect of what they believe. And so that's, that's kind of, that's another, another way to describe it as far as 
okay, you're not listening to this information because th they hold a different belief on another topic or another area of whatever the subject material is. And so that's what you have to be careful about that. Yeah. I mean, here's a it's prime keeping example. open in mind and using logic. Yeah. Prime example is um, Alan Parrott and his supposed story about Benghazi, you know, that he, he came out with and said he was going to provide all this information and, and he never did. And there were so many people that immediately jumped on that story. And that's immediately why I began to question it when everyone started promoting it, acting like it was fact. And I didn't see anything to back that narrative up. So that is, um, that's one example. And then a bunch of people ended up kind of like going back on that because he never provided the documentation he claimed he was going to provide. That's just one example. So this is important that, you know, everybody keep an open mind about these things. And this is where humility comes in and is important. You know, a wise man knows that he doesn't know anything. A smart man or an academic thinks he knows everything. <laughs> I forget where that quote comes from, but I think that's pretty funny and it's quite true. No, it is. It is true. Like there's very few uh, things that I'm totally married to and totally firm on. Um, there's a lot of things that I definitely want to be true and I have strong reason to believe that they're true, but I'm totally open and accepting of the fact that I could be completely wrong and it wouldn't be the first time, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's been so many times that we've been, you know, driven down a path. I mean, even even through some of the Q posts, right? Like we'll have an impression and then later on, we're just like mind blown. And the other thing I really want to emphasize too is that we're dealing with professional information warfare here. Like this is their business. Spies, double spies, triple spies, quadruple spies. They play a lot of different roles and they have their hands and loyalties to a lot of different people. So they, they could be, uh, you know, all on the up and up on one topic or in one particular area and be so dirty and corrupted in another. So it's, it's so hard. Like Aaron used to say that a lot. Like you can't think of people as like white hat, black hat anymore or good yes. and bad. You have to like look at the scenario and try try to figure out what was their motivation behind it, who's their loyalty to, why would they have made that decision, or why did that potentially happen, and yeah, Sleepwalker says emotion, you do have to yep. take emotion out of it, like, just because you like someone doesn't make the, them a good person, and it's tricky, this is so, so hard to determine what is really going on here? And again, I said, I've said it many times now, like we're dependent on these sources of the information that we're getting, but we didn't see it ourselves. We weren't there. We didn't hear it ourselves. So we got to be open-minded. Yeah, that's right. Um, I have another link to another book for you guys. <laughs> this is three books I'm giving you uh, in two days. I know that I don't expect everybody to read this all at once, but this is another one. This link up here gets you the full PDF of the book from Major Jordan's Diaries. This is something I just learned about. That's why uh, I wanted to share it. Um, uh, D-Tom, there's always a lot of trolls on Facebook Live. There's always a lot of trolls everywhere. Patriot on Patriot Soapbox stuff. We're one of the most heavily censored and suppressed channels out there. Um, you know, 
they have a particular disdain for us because we provide a platform where regular people can have a voice that is uncontrolled. They don't like that. They like personalities to be created and people that can, you know, be counted on to kind of just toe the line. And we don't do that here. And that's why uh, this channel in particular, they don't like. We're a threat to their democracy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so Major Jordan's diaries. This is, we'll just read the overview and then I trust you guys to read the rest on your own. Uh, Major Jordan was the expediter of a lend-lease shipments to the Soviet Union from 1942 to 44. He became alarmed at the movement of documents, materials, and personnel between the United States and the Soviet Union and began a diary to record what he observed. I mean, this stuff is stunning. Uh, this book is the result of his notes, experiences, and research. The book documents that the United States gave the USSR the atomic bomb, including uranium and the other materials and classified scientific documents needed, even a blueprint of the Manhattan Project, military secrets, equipment, vehicles, aircraft, ships, weaponry, and training, industrial secrets, processes, methods, and blueprints of U.S. industrial plants scientific secrets, papers, and patents, U.S. Treasury plates for printing paper currency. What is the purpose of such a thing? Vast amounts of materials, equipment, vehicles, aircraft, ships, and foodstuffs. Vast amounts of consumer goods contrary to Lend-Lease law. Again, the United States was always propping up the Soviet Union vast amounts of equipment and supplies to be used after World War II to build USSR's industries, contrary to the Lend-Lease law, and much, much more. This was not done by accident nor by espionage, but as a matter of policy and high priority under the administration of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt as administered by the Lend-Lease program run by Harry Hopkins. The book also shows U.S. military personnel were assigned to the United Nations three years before the U.N. was even created. Soviet agents were freely allowed in and out of the United States without visas. The following is an accurate reproduction of the text of the original book. This overview was added as well as two items that are invaluable for reference and improved comprehension, listing of key players and the timeline. This guy, Major Jordan, he tried to alert people. He tried to say, hey, this is wrong. Nobody listened to him. This was a matter of policy from the top down. We also know um, that they had a similar program with the schools that were going on with the school curriculum. And this is how a lot of the United States became Sovietized and uh, socialized. You know, this is, it, this should disturb everybody. So the link again is up here to the full PDF of this book. It's something hardly anybody has heard about. If you've heard of Major Jordan's diaries, put a one in live chat.
I, I guarantee hardly anybody knows about this. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, this happened today. Mine explodes, damaging oil tanker off Saudi Arabia. Authorities say a mine in the Red Sea off Saudi Arabia's coast near Yemen exploded and damaged an oil tanker. Um, Smedley Butler, that's another one. But, uh, I mean, this is just, it's so upsetting, I should say. Very upsetting. Because this is like, um, what's the word? Like, in, it's just insulting to everybody who fought for this country, whose family have, have paid the price in blood. You know, how dare these people? How dare they do that? That is disgusting. But it goes to show you it's a small group at the top that run things, you know, and it's a worldwide thing. They secretly collude behind the scenes. Uh, all right, so this happened earlier today. Dubai, United Arab Emirates, a mine in the Red Sea off Saudi Arabia's coast near Yemen, exploded and damaged an oil tanker. Wednesday, authorities said that's today and the latest incident targeting the kingdom amid its long war against Yemen's Houthi rebels. By the way, Yemeni's children are being murdered. Read about Yemen. What's happening there is reprehensible. The blast happened before dawn and struck the MT Agrari, a Maltese flag Greek-managed oil tanker near Shakwaik, Saudi Arabia. Their vessel was attacked by an unknown source. A statement from the Agrari's operator, TMS Tankers Limited, said, oh, I guarantee it was probably a Mossad um, <laughs> attack to try to you know, continue, they, they continue their aggression trying to provoke uh, all kinds of conflict in the Middle East. They really are pushing for a war with Iran. The Agrari was struck about one meter above the waterline and has suffered a breach. It has been confirmed that the crew are safe and there have been no injuries. The ship was still floating off the coast and had been afforded by Saudi officials, the company said. Shakwak is some 160 kilometers north by sea from the Yemeni border. Ombre, a British security firm, reported the blast and attributed it to a mine. It said the Agrari had cargo from Rotterdam, Netherlands, that it had discharged at the Shakwak steam power plant. The explosion took place in port limits and punctured the hull of the vessel. The UK Marine Trade Operations and Information Exchange overseen by the British Royal Navy in the region acknowledged a ship had experienced an explosion without elaborating. The US Navy's fifth fleet responsible for patrolling the waterways of the Mideast said it was aware of the incident. Saudi state television later aired a report claiming a military coalition led by the kingdom destroyed a bomb-laden Houthi drone boat and then a merchant ship sustained light damage. The report offered no details, and it wasn't immediately clear if the report was the same incident. Saudi-owned channels later aired reports about Houthi mining in the Red Sea. The explosion comes after a cruise missile fired by Yemen's Houthi rebels struck an oil facility early Monday in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. The Saudi-led coalition reported Tuesday that it removed and destroyed five Iranian-made 
naval mines planted by the Houthis in the Southern Red Sea, condemning the attacks as posing a serious threat to maritime safety. Okay. Uh, the, the Red Sea? Uh, didn't we just meet with uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia on peace talks? This sounds like a revenge. Yes, yes we did. Uh, and also, don't forget the other day, um, Mohammed bin Salman, Bibi Netanyahu, uh, and um, uh, who was it? Uh, Pompeo. The three of them met on some yacht just the other day. So there's that. The Somni had. I was just going to say people should dig on this because this does sound like uh, it sounds like some revenge stuff going on there. It could be. It could also be um, a false flag attack designed to make it look like revenge or something like that to try or to it, provoke conflict. Or it could also be because it said that Saudi Arabia had attacked someone. Yep. Uh, so maybe Saudi was taking someone out or stirring something up. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with this stuff in the Middle East. So many of these people are psychopaths. <laughs> they are. They're like power-hungry psychopaths. Including it's just a drop in the bucket. They're just trying to start shit up again. They're trying yeah. to start up their war. It's Like I said, they're, they're, they're assuming that their guy's in, and, that's, and it's plans as usual. Well, and the other thing is they're pissed about President Trump saying he's pulling the troops back, you know, pulling the troops out, Every time he announces he's bringing the troops home, some incident like this happens. And then everybody in the military industrial complex screeches about how we really need to stay or we at least need to keep X amount there. And it's just every single freaking time without fail, this happens. Um, you know, we also need to consider too uh, that. <laughs> That we don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, and we, we may not be able to find out what happened because they're always putting out propaganda, but they're trying to blame this on Iran, saying that the, the Houthis got this stuff from Iran, um, that uh, they were using Iranian-manufactured bottom mines that could be uh, live in the water for as long as a decade. Um, that's convenient. Iran repeatedly denied arming the Houthis, though experts say Iranian weapons ranging from small arms to missiles have been smuggled to the rebels. So we don't really uh, know one way or the other. Um, the Red Sea had been mined previously. In 1984, some 19 ships reported striking mines there, with only one ever being recovered and disarmed, the UN panel said. So there's that also. Red, red, red. Right? Good Lord. Hi. Okay, so um, speaking of uh, the sea, there's one other thing I want to bring up. This is, I think, very interesting. Um, oh, come on. There's so much to cover in so little time. All right, let's see. The first thing, let's go back to the show prep so I can show everybody the slide here. Um, a possible answer to the desert monolith. Here's a story that Rick Wiles, Edward Zoll, and Doc Burhardt of True News were looking at the Air Force's uh, rods from God could hit with the force of a nuclear weapon with no fallout. We wonder, is that the, what the monolith was that was found? Could that have been a rod of God? 
uh, weaponry right out in the middle of the desert. It could be. I mean, that would make sense if this is in a remote location and they are uh, testing these these weapons, the rods of God we've heard about before, I think. So that's an interesting theory. Um, and then, um, yeah, I don't, I, I, no, I gotta, I gotta disagree with that. And if Thumper is listening out there, I think he would probably chime in too, is that when you drop one of those rods of God, it's like a nuclear bomb. Like you drop okay. something from space, like you're taken out, like that state it's big it's, yeah, it's not gonna just stand up like an no, exhibit. <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna poke into the earth like a toothpick it's going to blow right? some stuff up like they used it yeah. well it's suspected that it was used in north korea on the mountain remember where they were doing it all that causes uh, mountain fatigue syndrome yeah there you oh, go wow. mountain fatigue yeah so i don't i can't agree with that theory there <laughs> yeah that didn't really make sense to me that it would stand up straight like that and it looks like a but it looks like it's it's an art exhibit or something i don't know <laughs> you would think though if this was like a, a rod from god type of kinetic weapon it's not going to stick up like, it's not going to look like that. You're going to see a lot of damage to the surrounding area. It wouldn't just stand there like that. And they're really, really long too. I don't, do you remember the measurements on it, Thumper? Uh, They're like, uh, I think they're like uh, 20 feet long. Yeah. Tungsten, uh, probably a little depleted uranium in it or something. Yeah. Uh, And that monolith, uh, my question is, is that monolith solid? Because, right. uh, you know, we were talking about the other day, something that big, uh, you know, and it, it, it showed no corrosion. And it, it has supposedly been out there, they said, what, four years, something like that. <laughs> I uh, saw I saw another video on it though, because and it was up close, and you could see that they used like I don't want to say screws, but something similar to a screw. So it looked like it was like, yeah, it looked like an aluminum or something like a thinner type of metal. But but even that, you know, it 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 didn't show any corrosion. It it was very shiny. Um, If it's a solid piece of metal out there, uh, it it had to have taken quite a. I mean, that, that wouldn't be light at, by any means, and it would take something special, maybe even a helicopter to, to bring it out there and place yeah. it like that, you know? And now, if I it's think- not solid, then different story. Yeah, a couple of guys on a weekend, uh, you know, hooting and hollering, <laughs> put it up you know i think pinata has said that it had been there for like five years according to autis on the chance yeah <laughs> so it's been there for a while so i don't know it's weird i'm even my mom was talking about it which was pretty shocking so she must oh, have got wow. it on her on her fake news stream <laughs> <laughs> oh my word yeah so i don't i think that that's being kind of um that's kind of silly. I don't expect the, the rods of God to look like that. And they did have those like dots on them, like you were saying. Uh, and they're just, they don't, they're not the same. Like from what I've read about the rods of God, they're not like triangular shaped like that. And they're not that wide. They're like, they're more like precision type things, you know? Um, well, that, that shape is not, is the worst aerodynamic shape you can possibly think of. There's no way that the, you know, just from that alone on my mind. Mm-hmm. Even when a meteor hits our atmosphere, it blows up and catches on fire and stuff, you know, it's, uh, yeah. 
You drop yeah. something from space that has any weight like that, and when it hits the ground, it's going to blow up. <laughs> exactly. It's going to cause serious damage. Well, just the, the kinetic force is yep. is the damage. And, uh, you know, you, you apply enough speed and enough weight, the kinetic force is... Uh, quite similar to a very large bomb. Wow. Dear Lord. It's like if you dropped like a pumpkin or something off of a really tall building, the damage, yeah. right? Because it, yes, it, exactly. it, it catches speed and you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a headache. <laughs> yeah, and they're saying the rods of God are, they go like 10 times the speed of sound. So you're going to have a massive um, force. Like that's going to hit with the, like a ton, like a blast. Um, so it's gonna ruin your day. <laughs> Duffy says, "Why haven't we dropped one on Soros's house?" Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, we have uh, from Indo-Pacific News: China's clampdown in Inner Mongolia, a pursuit of its second-generation ethnic policy. So here we have China very much following. Um, a policy similar to the Nazis. In August, China introduced a new linguistic policy for the primary and secondary schools of Inner Mongolia, shifting from Mongolian to Mandarin language. They're not allowed to speak their own language anymore. Now they all have to speak Mandarin. And this is part of an ethnic policy. Again, uh, where are the condemnations of racism uh, and um, eugenics and stuff? They'll, we never will hear that from, like, the who or something. And look at, look at everything they're doing to the, I always say it wrong, the Uyghurs. We uh, Yeah, however you say it, I always say it wrong. Uh, but they're, you know, that's like ethnic cleansing going on there, too. Like, they're, China is not a friendly place. Nope. And they uh, are not really interested in humane practices. China is asshole. <laughs> is asshole. <laughs> For yeah, sure. Not your friend. Um, okay, so I, I want to bring this up. Uh, I know that this is something that, like, uh, affects me more than, like, other people because this is something that's, like, local to me. But I wanted to share it because I think that this is similar um, it's probably similar with other places like around the, um, the country. Let me bring it up. This is the, the Fairfax schools. And of course, this is the distance learning. Check this out. Um, this comes from Washington Post. Uh, and I know, I know it's WAPO, but still the data is important. Breaking stunning data for Fairfax County, Virginia's largest school system shows huge academic cost of online learning Fs, that's failing grades, up 83% this year. And get this, vulnerable children struggling the most. Fs for students who have disabilities up by a 111%. For English learners, up 106%. So they claim that this, that they care about and they're helping the vulnerable people the most, blah, 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 but that's not true. These COVID policies are disproportionately affecting minorities and people with disabilities. 
they are doing very bad with online learning because it's it's just makes it that much harder for them right Uh, i can speak from personal experience like i don't have any learning disabilities but i've taken online classes and i just zone out i can't i can't get into it it's not the same as a presenter or a workbook or you know just like you were talking yesterday when you read an article or read content online it's not the same as if you you know were reading it in a book it's just it's a different type of teaching and it's in my opinion super ineffective so I feel really sorry for these children especially with the distractions of home for those who are not able to go to classrooms and stuff I feel bad for them this distance learning I can tell you from having a second grader who is doing this stuff is very difficult it's very tedious I listen in during the day and I try to help her um, and it's like you can see the kids being distracted. Some of them are accidentally turning their microphones on, and the, we and or they're oh look there's a cat, and it's like because they're at home they feel like like they don't feel like they're in school, and it's hard for them to focus. So it's really difficult. And here is some of the data: Hispanic children are suffering more than any other racial group. F's for them are up 92%. That is almost a total failure. They are underperforming in English and math by large margins. Here's the other thing they're having them do with this online learning. They make them do these stupid games. I don't know where they come from or who came up with this curriculum, but they're like, my daughter hates them. She hates them. They're so boring and they're just like, they don't help them learn anything. Um, This is, this is all by design. They don't want to educate our children. I'm sorry, but if you've got a young one, you really need to homeschool them because they're, they're not trying to teach your children and go back to the Q posts that talk about, you know, keep them starved, keep them dumb, or I don't remember, but, and look at the new world order. Yes. Look at the new world order agendas. I mean, it talks all about that to destroy education. That's what it's about. You guys, this isn't about, you know, like other countries, like just I'll go use an example. Like when I went to Ukraine, so many of them are, so extremely intelligent in math and our math curriculum in the United States is so weak. You, you cannot put uh, a high school student up against a Russian or a Chinese student in mathematics. Like I know there's, you know, some rare exceptions out there, but as a whole over the overall population, it doesn't even compare. Our education system has failed. And you need, and it's you got to do it. Yes, it, it's by design. And it's so important right now, especially that you got to try to take care of your kids. It's just, it's that bad. This isn't an accident. You don't get a failure of 92%. That is almost 100% failure rate by, by accident. That's no, no. And you can see it's students with disabilities or uh, people that are not like English speaking um, as their first language, they're doing really poorly. Uh, So all the people that the left claims that they represent, 
they're the ones that are being harmed the most with this psychotic leftist policies of lockdowns and online learning. Younger kids are experiencing more serious effects. As for Fairfax high schoolers are up 50%, but among middle schoolers, F's are up by 300%, 400% for middle schoolers who have a disability, 400% for Hispanic middle schoolers, 383% for English learners. You could call this racist. Finally, the data confirms experts' worst fears and predictions about online learning. Children who were already engaged in stable, supportive home situations do fine. The kids who were already struggling take a deep, possibly irrecoverable nosedive. Stunning. And, you know, I don't even know if I trust those statistics either, because uh, one of the areas that the left and communists, whatever you want to call them, have penetrated is the education system. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've talked to many people that have told me that, like, and just even out of experience, I've known people who were past, given passing grades that could barely even read or write. I mean, that's yeah. just the fact of the situation. So, and, you know, schools don't get funding if they don't, if they don't succeed, if they're, you know, failing themselves. So a lot of times they just push these kids through and not even meeting the bare minimum expectation. So I don't even trust those statistics. I would say it's much higher if yeah. it would, you know, if it was, if it was a realistic testing. Yeah. I mean, this is just like, it's sad. And that's common core guys. That makes everybody, it's like bringing the good students down to the level of the worst performing students so that everyone can be equal. That's literally what it is. Um, it's stunning. And it's really sad too, because like if I had a young one in my household and I was trying to homeschool them, there's going to definitely reach a point in math where I'm going to be like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just, that I'm being honest with you guys, but you know, there are tutors and stuff. And I realize that those things, you know, cost extra money, but there are resources out there. And, you know, I've even talked to people that like, uh, I was talking to a woman who said she had to quit her job because uh, you know, the governor had shut down her state and, um, you know, they had to do homeschooling. Well, kids that are homeschooling, their parents need to be there. You can't have, you know, a seven-year-old home alone, right? So now, you know, the mother has to quit her job. There goes the second source of income. Uh, where's the stimulus? Uh, you know, that adds extra pressure on the parents to try to help their students that are struggling. Uh, it's just, it's a huge mess. They need to just get this they need to open the schools and we need some major school reform or you need to keep your kids at home and educate them yourselves. And that's still, you know, even with all this stuff of forced vaccines talk and uh, I'm so glad my kids are grown. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's depressing, honestly. Um, speaking of racist policies of the left, <laughs> Whitney Webb put out an article today about um, John Hopkins. Under the guise of equality and justice, the U.S. government plans to have minorities vaccinated first. Of course, 
other claims made in their vaccine allocation documents contradict these social justice talking points and point to other motives entirely. So that she put out today, John Hopkins and the CDC plan to mask medical experimentation on minorities as quote unquote racial justice. Under the guise of combating structural racism, the John Hopkins Center for Health Security has laid out a strategy for ethnic minorities in the mentally challenged to be vaccinated first, all as a matter of justice. However, other claims made by the center contradict these social justice talking points and point to other motives. So that's lovely. Well, um, not that's surprising. Even, that's even more messed up, though, because think about how we've been divided by race, and it's not all, so please don't you know, think I'm stereotyping, but a lot of uh, minorities have swayed to the left, right, just historically, yep. and now, you know, here you are, the left uh, media is pushing this agenda of, you know, well, you know, you're special and you should get the vaccine first. And these people on the left are like, yeah, that's right. I should get the vaccine first. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, I mean, they're like that. If that's not psychological warfare, I don't know what is. I mean, you're manipulating these people into believing that they're special and that they should be given a vaccine first. But that vaccine, you better really think about that. <laughs> that's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, this is really messed up. And it's like sick. It's sick. Uh, and they did this before. There was another, um, I forget what it was called. It's like the um, Tuskegee, uh, Tuskegee experiments where they were doing the same thing, like using minorities to like test out these so-called vaccines back then for like syphilis or something. And they were actually giving them the, uh, the disease not helping them. And then they purposely didn't cure them just to see what would happen to them. Uh, you can read about it. The Tuskegee um, uh, Airmen, I think it's called or something. Very, very sick stuff. So they well, have a, a, um, a history of doing this. I was just going to say, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, we've all heard of eugenics, right? And we've all heard about experiments performed on, on blacks in the 50s and the 60s. And I, I, We've heard about the stories of AIDS and how, you know, they targeted blacks. And I, it's just very sad. It, it's really sad. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, like I said, typically um, and historically, um, people of minority have been on the left and they're just going right along with the plan. It's very sad. It, it gives us all that extra incentive to try to, you know, figure out a way to make that bridge and have those conversations and try to wake more people up. Yeah. Um, the Tuskegee experiments and hello, Planned Parenthood. The left right. loves eugenics. They love them. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, this article I recommend people read. Uh, it's pretty disturbing that they're going to be doing this. Uh, they also have Palantir tied into this operation, uh, warp speed stuff. 
I have, I am not for this stuff. I will not take their war operation warp speed vaccine. I've seen the general that is in charge of operation warp speed saying that they're like going to give this to every single person in the United States. No, not happening. And he, he even said like people that didn't want to take one or just because they were healthy and didn't have it, like didn't matter. That's not right. Uh, two rivers. I don't know what you're doing or what you're going on about, but it's ridiculous. You just spend all your time in here complaining about stuff and trying to, uh, you know, cause division and drama. If you don't like what people are saying, you don't have to be here. Good Lord. Uh, Michael Tracy put this out. This is a long thread. I knew it would be widely denied that prominent liberals floated an electoral college coup in 2016, which is why I contemporaneously saved a bunch of examples. Listen, look at this. All of these leftists talked about staging a coup in 2016. Unbelievable. Fun fact, states decide how to apportion their electors. They could give them all to say whichever candidate won majority of counties. So, oh, just not do what the Electoral College is supposed to do. The Electoral College was meant to stop men like Trump from being president. The founders envisioned electors as people who could prevent an irresponsible demagogue from taking office. Look at this. The Electoral College must stop him or Congress, or some other body. This is scary. I, I haven't even, I mean, I know there's a lot of different options and paths and stuff that this can all go down, but I read these tweets sometimes and I'm just like, you guys, do you realize how dumb you sound? I mean, yeah. I just, I, oh, I just, I'm going to love to see how this all comes out in the end because like i already saw a little bit of uh screeching and ringing on twitter already just on the flynn news and with the pennsylvania news so it's going to be a meltdown yeah this was what they were saying in 2016 they i mean they're calling for coups sign the petition to the electoral college elect hillary stephen pinker by the way is a jeffrey epstein associate he flew to epstein's island and he is rumored to have raped kids the electoral college should do what it wants this isn't hypocrisy it's what resistance to trump looks like between comey and the popular vote you can make a strong case that the trump victory wasn't fundamentally illegitimate but where to go with this Wow. <sighs> the derangement is just, yeah. it's so off the hook. I can't even, sometimes yeah. I just read these tweets and I'm just like, what is, how do you even come to this conclusion? Where do you get this? You have to dig deep in like the stupidity bucket. It's insane. <laughs> Unbelievable irregularities in the election and the menaces of the alleged president-elect. So it's okay for the left to say this shit in 2016 to talk about, um, you know, irregularities in the election and electoral college staging coups. 
But when the right wants to talk about voter fraud or irregularities, then they're called crazy, conspiracy theorists, evil, blah, blah, blah. This is just so hypocritical. Unreal. They should choose Clinton. Look, lefties, we're never going to choose Clinton or Biden, okay? <laughs> we're never oh going to God. do it. Ever, 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 never. <laughs> yes. Uh, from trashing our democracy. There it is, that keyword again. Yep. Unbelievable. They're sick. The bipartisan electors' letter raises grave issues involving our national security. Electors have a solid responsibility under the Constitution, and we support their efforts to have questions answered. John Podesta, Clinton campaign chairman. Chris Hayes. Three days. Michael Moore. Electoral <laughs> college. Yeah, and Michael Moore. Oh my gosh. These people are sick. The examples are endless. <laughs> uh, unreal. So that's who these people are. <laughs> Hypocritical, um, you know, scumbags, double standards constantly. And now I want to go back to the article we started reading yesterday and we left off right at the beginning of this. Um, did Russia and Soviet Israel orchestrate the 9-11 attacks on the United States? And the reason I want to cover this is because I feel like a lot of the conspiracy theories about 9-11 are purposeful misinformation. And a lot of them, I believe, are designed to not... Uh, like to have you looking in the other direction and they never talk about Russia's role. They right, never so, talk about it. Let's just go ahead and put this out there. We're already banned on Twitch. <laughs> We're not mm -hmm. anti-Semitic. <laughs> we love all people. This has nothing to do with race or anything like that. This is about a search for the truth. Exactly. That's it. Well, we're not anti-Russians either. I mean, but we're talking about <laughs> military powers okay so we read yesterday in the preface to his memoir center of the storm i think that's interesting too right the storm former cia director george Tenet describes an odd experience that occurred on his arrival to the white house early in the morning the day after 9-11 as Tenet strolled under the portico that leads to the west wing he was surprised to encounter richard pearl now, we read this part yesterday that as the doors closed, they made eye contact and nodded. He reached the, the door when Pearl turned to him and said, Iraq has to pay a price for what they did yesterday. They bear responsibility. Pearl wasn't a U.S. official or member of the Bush administration. Yet this, in this unprecedented moment of national trauma and sorrow, Richard Pearl had access to the White House. How come Tennant had no answer? He writes that he never learned the reason for Pearl's visit. Yet the director of the CIA deemed the counter significant enough. He mentions it on page one of his memoir. 
Tennant writes, although I didn't realize it that day, I've since come to think of that brief encounter with Pearl as the moment when these two dominant themes in my life collide, the topic of terrorism in Iraq. A clean break, a new strategy for securing the realm. Commonly known as the Clean Break Report is a policy document prepared in 1996 by a study group led by Richard Pearl for Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel. It's been criticized for advocating an aggressive policy, including the removal of Saddam Hussein from power in Iraq and the containment of Syria by engaging in proxy wars and highlighting its possession of weapons of mass destruction, which they didn't have. And by the way, who do you think is supporting ISIS in Syria? Gee, the proxy warriors in Syria? Former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Defense Richard Pearl was the study group leader, but the final report included ideas from Doug Fife, James Colbert, Charles Fairbanks Jr., Jonathan Torwalk, David Wormser, Mawar Wormser, and ISAP's President Richard Lowenberg. The 99 report states Israel can shape its strategic environment in cooperation with Turkey and Jordan by weakening, containing, and even rolling back Syria. This effort can focus on re removing Saddam Hussein from power in Iraq, an important Israeli strategic objective in its own right, as a means of foiling Syria's regional ambitions. That was written in 1996, and it later came to pass. The Israeli newspaper Ma'ariv reported that, like in uh, April 28, 2008, Likud leader Benjamin Netanyahu told an audience at Bar Ilan University that the 9 11 attacks had been beneficial for Israel. We are benefiting from one thing, and that is the attack on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. In the American struggle in Iraq, Mar Ariv quoted the former prime minister as saying, he reportedly added that the events swung American public opinion in their favor. That is coming from Haaretz, 2008. Russian President Vladimir Putin said his country warned the U.S. several times Saddam Hussein's regime was planning terror attacks on the United States and its overseas interests. Now, Putin made these comments in Kazakhstan, amid a debate uh, in the U.S. about the extent of ties between Saddam and the al-Qaeda terrorist network triggered by a preliminary report from the commission investigating the 9-11 attacks. Quote, I can confirm that after the events of 9-11 and up to the military operation in Iraq, Russian special services and Russian intelligence several times received information that official organs of Saddam's regime were preparing terror attacks in the territory of the U.S. and beyond its borders at U.S. military and civilian locations, Putin said. The Russian leader did not elaborate on any details of the warnings of terror plots or whether they were tied to the al-Qaeda terror network. On Wednesday, the 9-11 Commission released a staff report that said it found, quote, no credible evidence that Iraq and al-Qaeda cooperated on attacks against the U.S. The war on terror did Russia a favor. Uh, this is kind of where we left off yesterday. The war on terror has become a seemingly permanent call to arms, a kind of incantation used to dodge questions, build alliances, and justify the use of force. No one, not even Bush, grasped this as quickly as Putin, 
before Putin became Russia's president in early 2000, and long before the Twin Towers fell, he had invoked the idea of a war against global terrorism to justify Russia's war in Chechnya. Chechen separatists who renewed their centuries-old struggle for independence soon after the Soviet Union fell had resorted to terror as early as 1995 when they seized a hospital in the Russian town of Banyanozvak and held more than 1,005 people hostage. Then in 1999, a series of apartment bombings also blamed on the Chechens killed hundreds of people in Moscow and other Russian cities. Putin responded by launching Russia's second full-scale invasion of Chechnya in less than a decade. He received carte blanche from the citizens of Russia, says Mikhail Kasanyov, who was Russia's finance minister at the time. They simply closed their eyes and let him do whatever he wanted as long as he saved them from this threat. There was scant evidence, however, that the Chechen rebels were part of some global Islamist terror, terror network, as Putin and his government repeatedly claimed. The leader of the separatists at the time was Aslan Mashkadov, a former Red Army colonel who was closer to communism than Islam, and there was no proof he received help from abroad. Still, after, uh, all, after official statements said, we are fighting a war against international terror, says Andrei Ilranyov, who served as Putin's senior economic advisor between the years 2000 and 2005. Of course, nobody outside Russia bought it. In the West, Putin's war in Chechnya thus enjoyed little sympathy. The Chechen conflict was seen as part of a rebellion that Moscow was trying to crush, and the atrocities allegedly committed by both sides earned widespread condemnation. In late 1999, when Bush was campaigning for the presidency, he vowed to start urging an end to the war. Quote, even as we support Russian reforms, we cannot support Russian brutality, he said during a speech at the Reagan Library in California. But when Bush announced his own war on terror, all this rhetoric quickly evaporated. Putin, who had been the first to call Bush with his sympathy after learning of the 9-11 attacks, graciously offered to help with the invasion of Afghanistan. He let the U.S. ship supplies through Russian territory, and did not object to the U.S. setting up bases in Central Asia. Quote, it all flowed naturally into the picture of a global war on terror, unquote, says Kazanyov, who by that time had been promoted to serve as Putin's prime minister. There was no more criticism. It just ceased to be a thorny issue. By the summer of 2000, Russia had defeated the Chechen separatists and installed a puppet government led by the Kadrov family, a Chechen clan loyal to the Kremlin. But claims of wholesale violations of human rights, including torture and extrajudicial killings, continued to surface as the Kadyrovs consolidated power in Chechnya. The need to remind the world that Russia was still fighting the war on terror remained and Putin began to claim even stronger links between Chechen rebels and the global jihad. Quote, exaggeration of these links was one of the goals, unquote, Kasanyov recalls. 
during and after the 2004 terrorist siege of a school in the town of Bethlehem, where hundreds of hostages died, the Russian government claimed firm links between the Trechin terrorist and Islamist networks such as al-Qaeda. Soon after the siege, Putin said that nine of the hostage takers were from the Arab world, a claim that was never substantiated. Yet the idea of a global war on terror remains one of Putin's key political narratives. It is trotted out to this day after every terror attack in the Russian heartland and during most discussions with Western leaders who see it as a firm bond in their alliances with Moscow. Ten years on, Bush's idea of a global war on terror is still more often used for propaganda than to prevent more attacks like 9-11. Changing that could take many more years. Schuster, 2011. Currently, much has been made of Russia's resurgence in the Middle East in recent years. Following its large-scale military intervention in Syria in 2015, Moscow has increasingly become an attractive destination for Middle Eastern leaders, with regular trips from a cast, including Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Israel's Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu and leading Libyan warlord General Khalifa Haftar attesting to Russia's growing clout in the region. Um, I, can t I know that the, uh, I see people sit in live chat talking about Roku. We're having problems with Roku. It's Amazon Web Services that are down. Uh, it, my anchor podcasting is also down. It's uh, all of this Amazon and whatever it is, Amazon Web Services. Um, Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov has been perhaps the single most visible Russian official in the Middle East. Having developed personal friendships with numerous Arab rulers, Kadyrov has been closely involved with Syria in recent years, spearheading the repatriation of Russian-speaking Islamic State detainees and deploying his soldiers as military police. His role in Libya has recently picked up as well, with his close ally, Lev Dengov, recently appointed to head a new section of Russian interests there. But Chechnya's Middle East engagement appears set for substantial growth in one sector, in particular in the coming year, special forces and counter-terror training. As Russian private military contractors expand their footprint across Africa and the Middle East, Chechen Spetsnaz could soon follow in their wake, Howard 2018. 9-11 was a ma major turning point for Russia. Within hours of the attacks on New York and Washington, Putin was on the phone with Bush, the first international leader to call the U.S. president on 9-11. Russia knows directly what terrorism means, Putin said later in a televised address. And because of this, we, more than anyone, understand the feelings of the American people. In the name of Russia, I want to say to the American people, we are with you. Months later, Putin revealed he had a premonition about terrorists in 9-11. Quote, I told my American colleague, this really worries me. I have the feeling something is going to happen, that they are apparently preparing something, unquote, Putin said. Like Putin, both current Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu and U.S. President Trump also somewhat predicted the 9-11 terror attacks years before they happened. When the U.S. prepared to attack al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, Putin offered more than words of support. Quote, 
Russia will continue to provide intelligence information we have collected on the infrastructure, location, and training of international terrorists, he said. In a stunning decision, the Russian president coordinated with Central Asian nations to allow U.S. forces for the first time to use, to use military bases of the former Soviet Union. So they were letting the U.S. military like use these supposedly old uh, Soviet bases. I think that I think what he did was a revolution in terms of Russia's foreign policy, says Dmitry Trenin of the Moscow Carnegie Center. Here's a question. Why is there a Carnegie Center in Moscow? Well, because, you know, Carnegie is the whole Illuminati cabal and they give out all kinds of money to everyone, right? Because it makes them feel better about all their dirty, evil, sick shit they do. Yeah, I mean, this is like, uh, it's just so frustrating. But that revolution did not happen overnight. And it did not happen because of 9-11. He used, he seized upon 9-11 as an opportunity to leapfrog in his foreign policy, the outlines of which by that time had been complete. Putin himself calls September 11th a quote-unquote turning point in Russia's relations with the world. That's coming from Doherty 2002. This past May 2018, in um, had Iran, the U.S.'s enemy, influential Russian strategist, capitalist, and national Bolshevik Alexander Dugin echoed Putin's quote-unquote turning point while speaking at the 6th New Horizon International Conference, Dugan openly states that the rise of Russia, China, and a multipolar world order he advocates began right at the point of the 9-11 attacks on the United States. Huh. Is that, well, I mean, right what is he telling you? Kabbalist and national Bolshevik. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes. I mean... It's right there. But, I mean, again, we do also need to remember that we were told by Q that uh, Putin was freed, too. So he could have been under control of the cabal, New World Order, Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. That's true. At that point. So, yeah, something that's to think absolutely about. true. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting. I... Um, but there's I, your link to the whole Carnegie stuff right there, right? Because Kabbalist and Carnegie is a, definitely a, a name that links, if not, I'm pretty sure they link to the bloodlines. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, this picture is missing, unfortunately. I wish that this was there. This was um, Dugan speaking at the Sixth New Horizon International Conference in Iran. So that's missing. Um, uh, on January 15th, 1998, Counterpunch published an article titled, quote, How Jimmy Carter and I Started the Mujahideen, unquote, featuring the following excerpts from an interview with Zbigniew Brzezinski. Brzezinski served as counselor to President Lyndon B. Johnson, who we just talked about um, the other day, uh, from 1966 to 68, and was President Jimmy Carter's national security advisor from 77 to 81. 
Brzezinski belonged to the quote-unquote realist school of international relations, standing in the geopolitical tradition of Halford Mackinder and Nicholas J. Spickmack. Now remember, too, his daughter is Mika Brzezinski from MSDNC. And I also, like, even as you're reading this, I mean, just based off of, you know, the research that I've done with the Q Post and digging into all of this, like, the CIA is behind all of this. So, and they have patsies, right? So, you know, even think about the JFK assassination, there's patsies all involved in that. And I mean, we know about the Tim Usman stuff with, uh, you know, one of the terrorists with, um, you know, so it's like, you know, you you have to, uh, as you go through this, I'm thinking, okay, so the CIA was probably in bed with Israel and probably even in bed with Russia and Saudi Arabia. And, you know, they decided to do this deed, this deep state cabal Illuminati deed, which was going to make a whole bunch of people rich and, uh, you know, continued with their plan. And then they have a a forward facing, a public facing stance, which is Russia is going to open up their bases to allow um, the United States to attack Iraq, which had nothing to even do with any of this. Um, So it's, you know, I can't wait until the day we get the actual, this is state secret stuff here. All the 9-11 stuff is all state secrets, and you have to ask why. They're state secrets because our government is guilty. (laughs) That's why. Mm -hmm. That's that's why why they're hiding it. That's why we don't have access to those records. And and because other countries participated, they colluded with our CIA to commit atrocities against the American people. That's the truth of and the I story. And I think this is also why the CIA was going after the NSA, because they would be the ones that would have that information that would expose them. Right. They would say, uh, your story is not legit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, this guy, uh, Brzezinski, he's saying he created the Mujahideen with Jimmy Carter now, the Mujahideen later morphs into al-Qaeda. Mujahideen was uh, um, trained by the CIA. They admit this. So al-Qaeda basically is former CIA. It says, question, the former director of CIA, Robert Gates, stated in his memoirs from the shadows that American intel services began to aid the Mujahideen in Afghanistan six months before the Soviet intervention. In this period, you were national security advisor to Carter. You therefore played a role in this affair. Is that correct? And Brzezinski says, yes. According to the official version of history, official version, CIA aid to the Mujahideen began in 1980. That is to say, after the Soviet army invaded Afghanistan in December of 1979. But the reality, secretly guarded until now, is it was completely otherwise. Indeed, it was July 3rd, 1979, that Carter signed the first directive for secret aid to the opponents of the pro-Soviet regime in Kabul. And that very day, I wrote a note to the president in which I explained to him that, in my opinion, this aid was going to induce a Soviet military intervention. Despite the risk, you were an advocate of this covert action but perhaps you yourself desired this Soviet entry into war and looked to provoke it. Brzezinski, it isn't quite that. 
we didn't push the Russians to intervene, but we knowingly increased the probability that they would. He is telling you that he was trying to provoke a war like with Russia. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing you have to think here too is that okay, so Brzezinski, he's his hardcore commie, you know, to the mm-hmm. core, right? He he's commie as it gets. And then Al Qaeda slash ISIS, um, if you go back and like really do a lot of research, I found that ISIS was actually created by um, the Vatican, and they were like a sleeper cell that they created because. Uh, the Vatican didn't want to do their own fighting. They didn't want to do, you know, their own like hand-to-hand type combat, and they wanted to get into the game. So the Vatican is the one that actually created ISIS, and then Obama, uh, when he got into the office, and and even the commies before him, they 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 kept it alive, right? Until until you know stuff hit the fan, and then now all of a sudden we've got terrorist attacks and ISIS is a threat to the Middle East and all of that. So it's it's very interesting like even reading this like this isn't this is the public facing story but all of this has deep state actors totally behind it that have totally different storylines and intentions yeah. behind it too. So you can't even read things as as face value even with reports like this, because they speak another language. <laughs> like he just told you right out, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. God, Lord. This is insane. And he claims that this uh, conflict brought about the demoralization and finally the breakup of the Soviet empire. We know that's not true. Here's Brzezinski with Dugan. Oh, would you look at that? His communist buddy. Uh, U.S. trader Brzezinski with U.S. enemy Alexander Dugan. Exactly. Got so, the title right. Yeah, I mean, that is, we always knew he was a communist, and he flat out lied. He, this maybe gave them the pretext to, to claim, oh, look, this caused the Soviet Union to fall and to break up and blah, 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 when really we know they were in uh, initiating the perestroika deception. That is exact. So he's part of it. That's what I think. Brzezinski. That's my opinion on this. So. Uh, hey, it's I-70. <laughs> I'm like all deep in thought here. And all of a sudden I-70, hey. <laughs> I see a big hand. <laughs> all right, I'm going to get out of the way. Great show, Radix. Uh, I don't think we got through anywhere near what you planned on, but uh, good show. No, we never do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all later. Remember, Alrighty. guys, the links to all of this stuff is in your show prep. Uh, and I encourage you to read the rest of this on your own. It's quite lengthy, but I think this is a good one, and it illuminates certain aspects of this, like that um, statement there by Brzezinski that is stunning. I mean, it's just these people are criminals. At what point are they going to be held accountable for their crimes against humanity? You know? I actually looked it up here in Canada, Radix. I was interested about that topic of crimes against humanity. And in fact, it actually is the attorney general who will allow a file to be created under the crime against humanity. Other than that, 
there's no way for someone to just start a lawsuit and um, charge someone with crimes against humanity. So does that make sense? It has to go to our highest level of our attorney general, which is basically a, a liberal comped globalist right now exactly. who, who would never do that. So the chances of us um, charging them with crimes against humanity here in Canada right now are pretty slim. Yeah, and they also have their work their way into you know the United Nations, and they're certainly not going to point out any of this stuff. We just read about the WHO, you know, pumping up Russia and their handling of COVID. Like what? When the statistics they're getting are not even accurate. Yeah, ugh, it's. You know, but they constantly the, you mean the, fame America. You mean the flu's running rampant in Russia? <gasps> <laughs> right. With a 99% survival rate. Good Lord. All righty. Well, good, good show. I caught the tail in. That's some good stuff. So thank you, and we'll see you tomorrow. See ya. Okie doke. All right, Coach. Get the party officially started. Yes, I will just do that very quickly here. Hope everyone out there is doing great in Matrix world out there. <clears throat> yep, all good down here in the Dayton, Ohio area, and hope everything's up good in the Canada land. It's going pretty Nazi, pretty communists here, um, day by day, it certainly seems, depending on what region, as they call it now, even, you know, what it's about. Oh, there we go. Okay, we'll be right back, folks, after this, with the start of the show.